This is the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm your host, master coach, and emotional resiliency expert, Lisa Carpenter. I'm here to be your guide through real, raw conversations, navigating life as a high achiever. This show covers what it takes to create physical and emotional well-being, along with how to honor and partner with your body. I'm here to guide you to a connected relationship with yourself, turning self-care into a way of being and not just another task on your to-do list. After all, the things we love, we take care of. This podcast gives you permission to love what you do, but love yourself more. Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. Well, hey, hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm Lisa, your hostess, and I'm so grateful to have you here with me again. I am recording this on Sunday, March 27th. I am just back from a few days away. We took some time off as a family, went up to Whistler and got some skiing in. And although the conditions were not awesome, you know, (laughs) it was still pretty amazing. Whistler, BC is such a beautiful part of the world. If you've never had an opportunity uh, to visit it, make sure you put it on your bucket list for one day, go online, check it out. Um, it's just, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing area of BC, whether it's in winter or summer. And, you know, in today's episode, I want to talk about being in the suck and the lessons from this weekend, especially around my little one, who is always such an amazing teacher and mirror for just how far I've come in my personal development. He offers such amazing growth opportunities for my hubby and also for me, and just amazing insights that I'm able to bring to the podcast. And these are some things that have been on my mind for a while. So last year was the first year we actually got Jake up on skis. Uh, Macy took him out while I was getting some work done uh, last year for the first time. We tried snowboarding, that didn't go so well. So then we tried skiing, which ended up being a much better fit for him, which was amazing. And after a couple days of, you know, being on his feet, he started to master it. But man, did we ever see a lot of epic meltdowns last year, a lot of this is hard, I can't do it. And being really angry. So when when Jake gets upset when he gets into that place of feeling shameful that he can't do something, he can go into his I'm not good enough story and it comes out as anger. And maybe you can relate. Maybe when you feel like you're doing a poor job, something in life, it comes out as anger. I've talked openly on the podcast about, you know, how I used to really show up as a dragon mommy and that anger that would come out of me was really a manifestation of the deeper shame that I was sitting with around not feeling good as mom. So remember when somebody, you know, explodes in anger or is in these, these angry emotions, there's usually something underneath it because anger is typically a secondary emotion. Um, Although many of us don't like feeling angry, anger also has a sense of control to it or power right anger has a has a real feeling of power and anger isn't all bad you know anger especially you know for me over the past couple of years i've really learned to 
dance with my anger and not see it as wrong or bad as no emotions are wrong or bad, but anger can actually be a very empowered place as well. When we get angry about something, often it can show us the things that we value in our lives and empowered anger can be a very powerful place to work from, especially if you're trying to facilitate change. So, you know, it, it really is an emotion that is worth exploring. And listen, I've had clients say to me, I'm not an angry person. <laughs> it's not about being an angry person. It's recognizing that you have that emotional scope within your range of emotions. So coming back to Jake, you know, his anger would really come out as a manifestation of, you know, not feeling good enough. Like, why don't I have this yet? And just frustration. You know, he, he wanted to be good at something. And I've, I've thought a lot about the nurture nature kind of argument, right? Are we born with it? Do we learn it? And, you know, in watching Jake, there's so many things that have come up for him that I just think like, did, how could he have possibly learned this at such a young age? I mean, I remember when he was tiny and he would cry and he would say, mom, make it stop. My eyes are leaking. He didn't like it. He didn't like to feel. He didn't like to feel sad. Um, and I just think, wow, I didn't even teach you to stuff down your emotions. This is something you came to the planet with, not wanting to feel your feelings. And this is this has been a bit of a journey for him and I because, you know, supporting him in trying to create more emotional fluency, really give his emotions language because our kids don't have that and they don't have it developed yet in their prefrontal cortex. So they can't even articulate what it is they're feeling. They just know that they either like it or they don't like it. And often it will just come out in the most, um, you know, basics, basic of emotions. So coming back to skiing. So la <laughs> since last year, we've definitely evolved. But one of the things I've come to know about Jake is once he gets comfortable at something, he wants to stay there. So this becomes a little bit of, I don't want to say it became a problem on the ski hill, but what it meant was it was the same run over and over and over again, <laughs> which, you know, this one particular green run, it's like weaving back and forth across the mountain. It doesn't even feel like downhill. It feels more like cross country. So I was having to tune in to my emotions right? And really check the frustration because wanting him to be somewhere that he wasn't, right? Just like the episode I did around expectations, but also since, you know, feeling my own frustration around wanting to take on a little bit more challenging runs. And listen, I am not a black diamond girl. I'm good with a blue run, a little bit of a downhill. I'm very much a cruiser on the slopes. Um, but, you know, just weaving back and forth across the mountain, when I feel like I'm having to use my poles to propel me starts to get tired. So we challenged him to go down another run. It was also a green run, but it had more of a slope to it. And he got over the top of that hill, took one look and completely shut down, shut down to the point that he, he was so up in his head that, you know, he was afraid of heights. So again, green run, we're on a mountain, 
it's going to have it like you have to go down to get off the hill but it wasn't a black diamond it wasn't straight down but all of a sudden he had created this slope into this fear of heights it was too steep he couldn't do it he got so wound up so in his emotions so in his head that he completely shut down so he ended up taking his boots off or not his boots off his skis off loaded up his skis and he walked down the hill so i probably don't need to tell you my husband's reaction to this was your typical man's reaction it wasn't filled with a lot of compassion there wasn't a lot of grace there it was you know he didn't respond well and it was a really interesting to witness the dynamic between the two of them because jake so often mirrors back to mirrors to my husband some of the things that he is also working on in himself and i think that so often people who are triggering us with their behavior are because there's things in us that we also need to look at and address and as i was witnessing this and trying to maintain a place of peace and compassion for what he was going through because i do care i don't want him to be traumatized traumatized um, and at the same time that coach in me was like wait a minute here you know where is this line between allowing him to give up allowing him to fall prey to his fears versus trying to work through them in a more productive way because if we teach ourselves it's okay to quit when we're young and that's accepted as okay by our parents or whoever then that's the behaviors we take into adulthood so i come across many people who you know when things get tough they shut down they walk the other way they put it down and i think well how many things are you missing out on in life because you're afraid that it's going to be too hard or it feels too hard or or you believe you can't do it so it was very interesting and and that time on the mountain really left me with thinking is you know as a more conscious parent now right wanting to really lead with this emotional fluency giving my kids more of a voice around how they're thinking and how they're feeling uh, leading from a place of compassion and kindness it also got me thinking how could I do better? So not beating myself up as a parent, but really considering, you know, how many times my parents left me in the suck and I had to figure it out and how that really served me. So this balance of being kind and compassionate and encouraging our kids that they can do hard things and also allowing them to be in the suck and witness them in their suffering. So the last time we went up skiing, things got a little hairy again. You know, we, we managed to convince Jake to go down a run that he didn't want to go down. Again, got too steep. So he kind of lied down in the middle of the hill. We waited at the bottom. He was adamant that he wanted us to come up the hill and support him in getting down the hill. This time I took the approach of, I'm going to stay at the bottom of the hill. I'm here. I can see you. I know you've got this. Figure out a way to get down. Figure it out. And I'm going to I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait while you figure this out. He was not happy about me making that decision. 
he was yelling at me from the top of the hill. It was one of those real like epic parenting moments when people are skiing by uh, because he was sitting on his butt and he said, I can't get up. I can't get up. I can't get up. You have to come up here and help me get up. And I said, you know what? You know how to get up. You can do this on your own. Now, what was fascinating about this little experiment is I had to be okay with him being mad and being very upset. Um, I had to be okay with him being in his discomfort. I had to be okay with me being in my discomfort, watching him in his discomfort. So finally, a woman skied up to him and said, you know, buddy, <laughs> you can't just lie in the middle of the ski hill. That's dangerous. Can I help you up? He immediately looks at her and says, no, I'm good. Stands up and skis himself to the side of the hill. And in that moment, I realized that he was really choosing that discomfort. He was choosing that. He was looking to be saved. And I had to ask myself how often as a parent, because Jake is kind of like a single, um, like an only child, right? His brothers are much older. So I had to really ask myself, how often am I showing up and saving him when I need to let him save himself? And listen, if you are on this podcast listening to me, I know a couple things about you. I know that you're a doer. I know that you have a kind heart. I know that, you know, I often joke that my clients, my listeners are the ones that if the house is on fire or the boat is sinking, you want them on your team because we will get everything out of the house that's important before it burns to the ground, right? We will make sure everybody gets off the sinking ship, right? We are those type of people. But it often means that we are the ones out there helping and getting shit done because we don't necessarily trust that other people can do it as good as we can. And so often it's wrapped like our self-worth as an individual can be wrapped up in how much we're doing for others and how we're being that supportive, helping person. But when we overhelp, when we're constantly putting our hands on what isn't ours, when we're not allowing other people to be in their discomfort, we rob them of the opportunity to grow. So in that moment, there were a couple things that happened. Jake realized that he could do it. He knew he could do it. He wanted help. But then when somebody came along and asked him if they could help him, he declined. So that part of him that wants to be helped, but also at the same time is unwilling to receive help. So this became a topic, a conversation for us about it's not weak when we allow ourselves to ask for help. It's actually a sign of strength. We don't have to be good at everything, but there's a difference between someone raising their hand and saying, yes, please, can you help me? Or I'm willing to take help because this feels hard. So can you support me versus somebody else saving someone? So Jake and I had to have a conversation about, hey, it's okay to ask for and receive help and don't always expect that there's going to be someone there to help you. So it's kind of like, you know, the both and the both and argument, right? Like be self-sufficient and also allow yourself to ask for and receive help and also be okay if that help isn't there. 
He declined help in a moment, though, he was asking for help because he wanted the help in the way he wanted the help. Do you get what I'm saying? He wanted what he wanted in the way he wanted it. And that was for me to climb up that mountain and help him. So eventually he did find his way down. Um, Something else happened on the mountain. Another lady who was skiing by ended up falling and breaking her arm, which then completely distracted him, moved his attention. He was no longer angry at us. And we carried on we carried on with our day, right? He learned that he can figure stuff out, which is really, really important. So, you know, so often we're looking for the right way to do things or the right way to support people or the right way to ask for help or not ask for help. And there is no right or wrong way. It's just simply being curious about the things we're pulling towards us, the things we're pushing away from us, what behaviors do we get into, what things do you notice about yourself? It's all about creating awareness. And that's really, you know, whenever I get into a coaching relationship with anybody, it always starts with creating awareness around the patterns of behavior that you have that you are unaware of, right? that you don't realize that are impacting you. So Jake has this behavior of wanting to be saved. But then at the same time, he's unwilling to accept help unless the help comes in the way that he wants it. You can see where that's a bit of a problem. So stay tuned on how this all unfolds. So this time, right, we had to talk about being in the suck. So many of us we want to get things right. We want to do it perfectly. We want to be the best, right? I love challenging myself to always be better, not because I don't feel like I'm good enough now, but I love big audacious goals and dreams. I am a doer. You're probably a doer as well. It's just the energy behind my doing is different now. But one of the things about accomplishing more in this life, if you are a person who wants more out of your life, it's learning how to be in the suck, but more importantly, right? Being in the suck and, and embracing the discomfort of the suck, but more importantly is learning how to be compassionate and kind to yourself when you're in the suck. And that's what we focused on uh, with Jake this time when we were up skiing is how he could allow himself to be in the suck, how he could allow himself to be kind to himself if he fell, be kind to himself if he decided that he wasn't ready to take a run that we wanted him to take, right? So we're trying to teach him to advocate for himself. And then at the same time, we're also trying to challenge him to do things that make him uncomfortable. So there's a lot of both ands going on here. And it's been really, really messy. But what I noticed is he wanted to be able to go fast but at the same time, he wanted to feel like he had control. You see the problem with that, right? Because unless he's willing to be in the suck of learning how to go back and forth across the mountain, right? Learn to take those wide turns. Learning how to control your turn is ultimately in skiing how you learn to control your speed. And as long as you know how to control your speed, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, you can always bring yourself back to control. So this was about letting go of wanting to be fast 
and allowing himself to get onto runs where he could practice his turning. And we took the approach this time that we were going to let him pick the runs that he wanted to do. We weren't going to challenge him to go down runs he didn't want to do. And an amazing thing happened. (laughs) By halfway through the day, Jake was starting to choose runs that were a little bit more challenging because he was allowing himself more space to practice, more time to be in the suck. And we offered a tremendous amount of encouragement. And I think that that's such an important lesson because when you're in the suck, when you're doing stuff that you've never done before or that you're not, you don't feel really good about, do you offer yourself compassion or are you hard on yourself? Are you beating yourself up? So in this process, we're teaching Jake to be internally referenced. So I would say, gosh, that was a really great run. Are you feeling proud of yourself? What can you celebrate about that run? And it would allow him to think about it. And also saying to him, like, I feel really proud of you. I've watched how much you've grown and improved. And I really want to acknowledge that you did that run that you were afraid to do last time. And you decided to do it and you did it amazing. How did that make you feel to do that? So teaching him to be internally referenced, but also understanding the importance of, you know, when somebody gives you that high five and says, you know what, that was a really great job. That external frame of reference is also really supportive when we're in that suck. Because if you're like an A-type personality or perfectionist, which this is some of the stuff that Jake gets into, this is some of the stuff that I've gotten into in the past, it's certainly the stuff my clients get into, is learning how to be compassionate with yourself, learning how to be more internally referenced, giving yourself high fives, feeling proud, but also learning to be compassionate with yourself. And sometimes we need somebody else to mirror what that compassion and kindness can look like and feel like. And this is why, you know, when I'm coaching my clients, I really tried to, I don't try, I do model back to them what that can look like. Because in order to stay in the suck, if you're constantly beating yourself up because you're believing you're not doing a good enough job or you should be there yet, or why aren't you doing the black diamond runs yet? Um, it makes it really hard to progress because now you're working from a place of I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Instead of looking for those little tiny wins each time, because every time you can get one of those little wins and start to feel proud of yourself and start to get feedback from other people about what they're seeing in terms of your growth, this will allow you then to achieve more. So if you're someone who wants more out of your life, you're going to have to look at how to slow down, how to really appreciate where you're at, how to embrace the suck more so that, right, pretty soon the things that you're sucking at, you'll end up getting closer to mastery at. So, so many lessons from the ski hill. I know I bounced around uh, a little bit more in this episode than I would have liked, but... I'm also just allowing myself to go back to my format of hitting record and trusting that the right words are going to come out, that the story that you need to hear is going to come through, that I'm going to articulate myself in a way that is impactful for you. And Jake is such a powerful example 
because, you know, he's just this amazing little human. And at 10, I see how hard he is on himself already. And if I can support him as a mom by allowing him to be in the suck, also knowing that I'm going to be there for him, but sometimes being there for him means that I'm going to let him be in the suck, but also teach him how to be internally referenced to coach himself through those sucky parts, right? That's exactly what I do with my clients. And also be that voice that shows him, hey, did you notice this? You did an amazing job at this. Let's acknowledge this. And that's where coaching can get so powerful because we can retrain how we see the world. We can create awareness around the behaviors that are really holding us back. We can go from a person who is really desiring and wanting more in life to a person who actually is able to achieve more in life and feel good doing it without doing a million things. You know, all Jake needed to do was to start to master his turns. And once he mastered his turns, once he felt more competent in mastering those turns, it created more confidence for him. And as his confidence grew throughout the day, that's what allowed him to now take more risks. And this is what I do with my clients. I walk them from that place of creating more competence, more kindness, more compassion, because they're risk takers into this place of feeling more confident about the things that they're undertaking. They even feel more confident sucking. You can believe that. Like I had a client reach out to me saying she wasn't feeling super confident about something she was doing, but she felt confident that she was like, she was okay about sucking and she was just going to go do the thing anyways. And this is something that would have shut her down in the past. And this is where coaching becomes so powerful because when you can learn and embody these tools and take this level of self-awareness and then learn how to coach yourself through these moments, this is when you become so powerful. So achieving more isn't about doing more. It's about mastering and undoing, right? It's undoing the things that you're doing that are really holding you back. And that being hard on yourself is one of the things that needs to go. So thank you for being here with me on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to take the lessons that you needed and then apply them to your own life. I would love to hear your insights and your takeaways from this episode. So by all means, send me a DM over on Instagram. That's probably the easiest place to catch me. Or you can send me an email at lisa at lisacarpenter.ca. I am also booking individual sessions into, gosh, what are we in now? Into April. So if you are looking to explore coaching, if you want more out of your life, but it's not about picking up more plates and spinning more plates, you know you want more. There's more for you out there. You have dreams and desires. You're just frustrated with why you haven't been able to achieve them yet. Hop onto my calendar and let's unpack that. My job in those sessions is to give you radical insights into what is holding you back so that you can take that next step and go accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in life. I am here for all the big dreams. I'm here for all the big goals, but I'm also here for making sure that you are prioritizing your emotional and your physical well-being. And that means 
not berating yourself when you're in the suck, right? Emotional well-being is all about being kind to yourself, compassionate to yourself, and taking the time to get to know yourself better. So until next week, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And I will see you on the next episode.